Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! What's going on, Zootown? This is Jeff Safford here with you. Nuanez Now, 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula, the ESPN MT app, as well as SWX Montana. We'll also be with Andrew Houghton producing Behind the Glass today as we are filling in for Coulter Nuanez as we've been touching on it. Wilbur Watch, well, not watching any longer. As of about 8 o'clock last night, Coulter Nuanez, for folks that have been following along, he is a father. Congratulations to Coulter. About 8 o'clock last night, a new baby boy was born last night. Congratulations to him and his wife as well. Just fantastic news. Saw some pictures from last night from at the hospital. And words are that everybody is doing well in the Nuanez family. So shout out to Coulter. Hope, glad that he is doing well. With his new baby. As for Nuanas now for a Thursday afternoon, some big news coming out of the Montana football program. We'll get right to that here in segment one. As you can see in studio, if you're checking us out here on the app and on SWX, also have Ben Folks, a local sports writer. He's appeared with, he's a local guy out of the University of Montana. He's also written for Sports Illustrated, USA Today, The Athletic, multiple other spots. He recently wrote an article about the Glacier Ice Rink, touching on Grizz Hockey, myself being the voice of the Montana Grizzly Hockey Team. Fitting that we'll be talking with Ben today to talk on the touch on the article, everything that's going on over there at the Glacier Ice Rink and the game of hockey. And he looked a lot at recreational hockey and how that's such a unique but fun atmosphere that's going on here locally in the city of Missoula. In segment two, 
We'll get to some college basketball. Visit it with Travis DeCure, the Montana Grizzly men's basketball team. They're on a roll. They've been playing real well in recent weeks. Coming off a win against Weber State on Monday, they'll get rolling this weekend as well. In segment three, we'll go to some baseball stuff. Myself, the voice of the Missoula Paddleheads as well. I'm excited about that. Talking about the Hall of Fame. Three new Hall of Famers recently introduced also to bring it into the Pioneer League. The YOLO High Wheelers, a newly announced team in Davis, California. Now two teams in California will be joining the Pioneer League along with the Oakland Ballers. Trying to get somebody with the High Wheelers in here, here on 1029 ESPN Radio. We visited with Tyler Peterson with the Ballers, so we'll try to get somebody from over in Davis, out by Sacramento as well at some point. But in segment three, myself and Andrew Houghton will talk some baseball, talk the Pioneer, talk the Hall of Fame and other things. Then moving on to the second hour in Segment number four, we're going all football all the time. Coulter Nuanis will be talking with Brooks Nuanis about the upcoming NFC championship game matchups and the betting lines, everything associated with the NFL, all football all the time, brought to you by Paradise Falls. Then we have the Bitterroot Breakdown. We'll be talking Class A hoops from out there in the Bitterroot. Bitterroot. Then segment six, we'll get you ready for... Friday and get you to get you to some fun stuff for your Thursday evening. Make a, maybe take a look at some NFL stuff, Grizz hockey, and more in the final segment. But right now we're live in studio with Ben Folks. He's a local sports writer. He graduated from the University of Montana. He lives right here in Missoula, Montana. He's ri- written with Sports Illustrated, USA Today, The Athletic, and more. But today we're here to visit with him about. His recent article, he wrote about the Glacier Ice Rink and everything hockey. So, Ben, thanks for coming on with us for a few minutes. And uh, how are you doing on this um, sunny Thursday? Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Doing great. Yeah, so um, I know you're a local guy. You've been around the University of Montana. And we touched on the big news out of the University of Montana football team. Bobby Houck recently a new contract. His contract expired at the end of this year, 2023 just led the Grizz on this magical run to the national championship game in Frisco. So what are your initial thoughts on Bobby Howe coming back to the Grizz? Yeah, I guess if a guy leads you to the national championship game, I can say I'd want him to stick around. Yeah, you, know? you, you would think so. Yeah, pretty good. You know, I honestly went to more Grizz games this past season than I think I've been to in one season in years. And it was a great time. I went to the, the home playoff game against uh, North Dakota State there, and it was maybe the single best football game I've ever been to going into wow. double overtime and watching it. It's an amazing experience. Yeah, I can actually see where you would get to that. Um, Coulter had some fun with me after that game. It was actually because of my schedule, working so much with the University of Montana hockey team, so many of those games come on Fridays and Saturdays, didn't have a chance to go to a game at Washington Grizzly. It just happened to be an open weekend, that date of the NDSU game that you alluded to. So I was sitting right up there with Coulter in the press box, just kind of taking it all in and you're right. The atmosphere that night was just like, wow. You could feel, even in the press box, when Junior Bergen took that touchdown on the far sideline, you could feel the press box shake. So it was just a wild atmosphere. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like that one did something to my blood pressure. I maybe took a couple years off my life watching that. Yeah, that was just the wildest game also. To have come to overtime and the crowd and the elation. And yeah, things didn't go the Grizz way out there in Frisco, but still something that I'm sure this Missoula community will remember forever. Yeah, it's a great season, honestly. You can't be disappointed with it. 
And um, you were kind of touching on it partially. You were at so many other Grizz games this season. And where were your experiences this year different compared to other seasons? Well, you know, I came first to Missoula for grad school. I went to the writing program here at the University of Montana. And I went to a lot of football games there. And having I did undergrad at San Diego State where the football team was not great. And it was not such a great atmosphere. I mean, they would play in the same stadium as the Chargers, and it felt like they got a couple thousand people there from a lot of the home games when I was in school. And so to come here and see just the energy and the passion for Grizzlies football was such a different experience. I loved it right away, just that, that game day atmosphere. And it's hard to explain to people from other places how it feels like the the most big time kind of sports that you could be involved in to to go to some of those games and be around that atmosphere uh even when people hear you know that it's uh, the fcs level and they, they i think they think that it's smaller than it is because it feels like such a big experience to go and to be a part of and i think if you were to ask bobby hauck about that he would tell you those a lot of those things i remember hearing things from bobby saying hey this is why i came back to montana was to be a part of the best atmosphere in fcs football so you could see all that now this is kind of an interesting segue as well you mentioned the journalism school at the university of montana you also are a part of a very popular um, podcast along with the writing that you do called co-main event with um, Chad Dundas, who actually you met at the University of Montana. So maybe talk about your podcast and your world in the MMA and all that as well. Yeah, Chad and I were both in the the writing program at University of Montana. That's how we first met. And we bonded kind of immediately over us both being big fight fans uh, and big fans of MMA, the UFC, boxing, all that kind of stuff. And that's been one of the main things that even now, you know, we would just, I think we would find ourselves at parties standing around talking about this stuff and finally you know just it made sense to if we're going to be talking about it we might as well start a podcast to talk about it we were both uh writers covering the sport full-time at the time and so uh we didn't ever really think about a long-term plan with it i think but now we've been doing it about 11 years it's got a whole community around it that's really great and really helps us sustain it uh and it's been honestly you go through these cycles especially with fight sports where you feel like is my passion for this waning is it getting harder sometimes to maintain the interest and it's the the community around it really kind of keeps you going and one um, community around a combat sport and now this is a little bit different but i feel that these two worlds are a little bit more connected than than maybe folks would want to acknowledge. And one world you're also involved with, along with MMA, is WWE. I saw on your um, Twitter program or Twitter profile rather that you were involved in this program recently called the Terrorists, where it's kind of like a the a, territories, yeah. the territories. I'm yeah. sorry, where you're looking at um, different kind of looked like a. Sh- a catalog of short stories right, with yeah. professional it was, wrestlers. It's kind of a shared fictional universe uh, that takes place in the territory era of professional wrestling. You know, before the WWE sort of took it over nationally and it was broken up into different regional territories. And so we set all these stories mainly in like the 70s and 80s and we each took a different territory and sort of came up with our own characters but then once you're reading other people's stories you'd take some of their characters and incorporate it into yours and, and uh, have a lot of kind of shared 
uh, characters bleed over into different stories. And it was a whole lot of fun to work on. Uh, I worked on it with Chad and uh, another friend of ours, Dan Brooks, who's a writer locally, and a bunch of other people. And it was a lot of fun to just learn about the territory system of professional wrestling back in those days uh, and then to find a way to work it into fiction. And people can find it online, the territories. Ben Folks with us here, a local sports writer here on 1029 ESPN Radio in Missoula. And thinking about your links to wrestling and wrestling WWE being in the news a lot this week and recently now seeing seeing the deal with Monday Night Raw moving to Netflix and along with all their other content I know that a lot of their pay-per-view stuff has already been living on Peacock another um, streaming platform but what was your reaction to all that news with the WWE going in that direction and also being now linked to UFC also where do you see those two worlds Kind of, kind of gluing t- themselves together, so to speak. Because, like I alluded to, I already see a lot of familiarity in those two worlds. I see a lot of feuds. You see the baby face and the heels in the UFC, yeah. and the guys going out to confront one another after fights. Those are all things you would see Randy Orton or the head at the table, Roman Reigns or whoever you want to mention in the WWE do also. Yeah, there is a lot of similarity between the way the WWE operates and the way the UFC operates. And at this point now, they're both under the same corporate banner. You know, uh, Endeavor bought the UFC and then sort of have a, a merger situation with the WWE and put them both under the, the heading of uh, the new company TKO, which, you know, as soon as this Netflix news broke, uh, their stock price went way up. Uh, Obviously, people like that for them. And it's a big move uh, on both sides, I think. You know, you put something like Monday Night Raw on Netflix, and it shows you Netflix is really serious about getting into uh, streaming sports, live sports kind of content. Absolutely. And it also shows you uh, the TKO ownership group is doing exactly what they said they would do with the WWE, finding new revenue streams and sort of ushering it out of its old model and into a new one. Um, but the, the worlds themselves, they are very similar. It's the same sort of situation where if you're going to be a pro fighter, it's not just about being the best pro fighter. It's about selling yourself to the fans one way or another, making them care when you fight, either because they want to see you win or because they want to see something terrible happen to you. Ben Folks with us here. Now, you might be able to see something that would resemble a fight or a German suplex in the sport that you wrote this article with, with the pulp talking about hockey in the city of Missoula. Maybe touch on your relationship with the pulp and maybe for folks that don't know what the pulp is. I know I was somebody that learned about what it was in the last couple of months. So maybe touch on your relationship with them and the pulp in general. Yeah, the pulp is great. I was really happy to see it start up recently and get off the ground. Uh, I've been friends with uh, Erica Fredrickson, one of the co-founders of the pulp for a long time. We've been in the same writing groups. And uh, when she worked as an editor at the Missoula Independent, I would sometimes write stuff for them. And I always loved having the specific kind of voice that the independent brought to not only the art scene but the local culture scene in missoula and i was just heartbroken as a lot of people were when the independent was shut down and so to to see the pulp get off the ground is sort of you know uh and and follow up to that and with a lot of the same minds behind it and a lot of the same people writing for it is really exciting. It's especially exciting to me as somebody who has worked in media for a long time. You see a lot of the old models that just don't work anymore and it's really encouraging to see uh, people like Erica and Matthew at the Pulp 
finding a new way to do it and a new way to push it forward. Uh, and so I was really excited. Just as soon as they started it up, I was just sort of looking around for what could I write that they might be interested in. And they were interested in, in the local hockey scene, which I was really glad to write about. And I really enjoyed your article, for one. And me and myself and you, I, we talked about this off the air before you came on. And the one connection that I felt was similar that you and I have to the game of hockey is that I've been the voice of the Montana Grizzly hockey team the last two seasons. It's been something that I've had a lot of fun with. Just saw Mike Anderson, the head coach of the team, walk through the studio and talk with him the other day as well. But, um, but it's only my second year with hockey in general, so kind of a, I guess, green wing, you could say, like you are. And you t- touched on it in the article right away when you talked about being around the rink initially and kind of feeling this initial kind of, uh, do I belong? that you were immediately accepted into the community. And I felt the same way. Um, where do you feel that's unique in around sports? Yeah, I, I'm not even still not totally sure what it is about hockey that makes it one of those sports. And especially the rec league hockey community in Missoula seems really great and really welcoming because I grew up in Southern California. I never got a chance to learn to ice skate. There was just nowhere to skate around uh, or to do any winter sports, really. it was all, Winter sports were always just sort of the thing that rich people did in other places. And so we never learned it. And then when I came here, it always just seemed like a sport that looked fun, but that I couldn't say that I understood. And... I got to a point in my life where I was looking around for a new sport, a new activity to do, and I thought, well, this one always seemed fun. Let me go learn it, but had no basis on which to build. Couldn't ice skate, barely knew the rules, and just sort of signed up for a team. Googled if there was a league, signed up for it, showed up and hoped for the best. And yet it was so welcoming, and people were just glad you were there, happy to, to teach you what they could. And it has been so much fun to learn, and I never thought that it was something where I was going to make so many good friends doing it, but I really have. And it's it's especially, as I mentioned in the story, when you're a bit of an older athlete, you know, I'm 44, and it's like the stuff that I learned to play as a kid, I'm not going to get any better at. Uh, the, the peak was happening a long time ago, and... With something like this, when you start from absolute zero, it's a lot easier to see some progress and to feel like I'm still getting better at this. Yeah, sure. You can. I remember reading that in your article as well, um, talking on one of the people you interviewed, how they felt that in other sports, you kind of alluded to it, their best, their best 40 time, their, you know, their longest drive or whatever is behind them. But in this sport where they're still kind of learning, they can see themselves grow and that can be something that is unique. And another thing that doesn't surprise me with being in this community that you touched on talking with um, assistant coach of the Montana Grizzly hockey team, Ryan Geigas, that um, you're talking on, touching on how the rink is to capacity and that there's a thousand plus people in playing rec hockey. And that wasn't a surprise to me being in the community, as I would consider myself now being around the hockey team. But for people outside the community, maybe it would surprise some people and how it's still this game that's kind of played in the shadows, so to speak. Right. Well, especially it's like you drive past Fort Missoula or you drive past Playfair Park or something. If people are out there playing softball or kickball or something else, you see it. And so you're aware that there's a community of people doing it. And by its nature, since hockey has to take place you know, at an ice rink, if you're not really aware that it's happening in there, you might drive by you know, a few times a day and have no idea that there's this whole community sort of centered around that. Uh, and it is... 
a thing that the people who are involved in it are very passionate about it and tried to push forward a a, uh, a tax issue to try to raise some money to expand the ice rink and to get there to be more than two sheets of ice that people can work with. Uh, and it was voted down at least the first time in November 2022. Hopefully you'll see it on the, the ballot again sometime soon. And it's the kind of thing where if you use the ice rink, you love it and it becomes sort of a second home. And if you don't, then you probably never think about it. And so it could be easy not to know that there are that many people involved in the, the local hockey scene, local just ice rink scene in general here. Yeah, and to me, you can learn a lot about other people being a part of this community as well, and it opens people up. I'll share a story I've had that recently. There is somebody I just knew from being around where I go to the gym, right? And he portrays himself as this big, strong you know, former Navy guy, he's on, the, he's on the bike doing all this crazy cardio. He seems like this totally tough guy. But then you see him, I saw him recently at the rink. He was in his big goalie gear, but when he walked in, he just had this totally different persona around him. He could see it, that he was happy. He was joshing with the boys. He saw me and said, hey, you're a hockey guy too. You know, you, you could just see that there was this certain just kind of aura around it that was special. And you touched on this talking about your experience with WAM, which is a hockey community here in Missoula. And you're talking about how seemingly all these different people from all these different backgrounds all are brought together by one game. And to me, I feel hockey is definitely that way. With the Grizzly hockey team, they call themselves the boys, you know, eh? And... They're a big family. They just care about each other so much. And how is that kind of subculture unique to the game of hockey? Yeah, well, WAM is the uh, women's uh, hockey league. There's a there's a Glacier Women's League, and then there's WAM, which is a little bit more trying to be a development league. And they do they approach the how they put the teams together a lot differently. And it's really interesting to see how they go about it because they want to make sure that. It's not just you playing with the same group of people that you know every single season, which there's a joy to that. There's a joy to playing with the same people, but to making sure that they mix up the team so that there's a an array of skill and experience level, but also that you're forced to get to know new people and to make new friends. And it's great to see uh, how they have constructed uh, their league around that. And it's also, you know, just playing in some of the leagues around where... I've been. I've had a similar experience where you play against somebody a few times, and maybe you develop some negative feelings toward them, <laughs> especially if they're good and they're beating you. And then you know maybe next spring you'll be on a team with them, and suddenly when they're doing all those same things to help your team, oh, sure. your opinion on a person can really change that way. Yeah, I, I remember uh, there was a player um, this past season, Tobias Robinson. He played for Montana, and then this past season was playing this past season, and now this season he was playing for Providence. So you could see Tobias was a good buddy for the Grizz last year. The next season, he was getting pushed into the boards. That's yeah. just kind of the connection with the game of hockey. Ben Folks with us here on Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Give him a question and two more and then get him on his way. Now, thinking about this community of hockey in Missoula, you touched on it with Ryan Guy. I guess how there was a vote in 2022 to get some renovations done to the rink that failed. He attributed COVID maybe partially part of that. People weren't were apprehensive to spending more money for taxes, but you've seen the last couple of seasons how this University of Montana hockey team has been so popular, and you alluded to it in the rink. They're a good time, and they pack the place. How do you think something like the University of Montana hockey team will advocate for the game and maybe 
draw more buzz to hockey itself. I think the university having a team is huge, uh, not only because those games are a really good time. I mean, just going and watching those games, you see the energy around them, and they really pack the building for those. And I think a lot of people... If they haven't actually gone to see a hockey game in person, maybe they've only seen it on TV. It's a very different experience when you see it in person. You see it on TV, the puck can be hard to follow, especially if you uh, aren't super experienced in how hockey works. And you go to a game in person, you realize it's very fun, very fast, very few breaks, and just a lot of action. And it's a a great experience to be around. I think I've heard from a lot of people who go to the Grizz hockey games just because they've heard it's a good time, it's a fun ticket in town. And when you go down there and you see it, uh, that gives you a reason, first of all, to set foot in the ice rink, and it gives you a reason to realize that it's kind of there, and there's this whole world kind of happening there, even when you're not looking. And so uh, the more people who go and experience that and see how fun it is, and maybe they get involved in some of the programs that are going on down there at the ice rink, they're pretty savvy, I think, about how they go about marketing those. They just had the uh, the Swifty Skate uh, last week where they played all Taylor Swift songs, and my daughters were really excited to go. We went to that, and it was sold out. Uh, they're doing a lot of fun stuff like that. And I think the more people realize that we have this great resource in town that you can use, uh, the more people will support wanting to make it even better. Ben Folks, he wrote a fantastic article called The Polk entitled Late Nights on Ice Inside Missoula's Growing, growing Hockey Subculture. Visit thepulp.org now. It's right there on the front page to read that fantastic article. Ben, thanks for coming on with us and, uh, sharing your stories about Missoula hockey and everything else. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Rolling on here on Nuanas Now, segment two on the way, Travis DeCure, the head coach of the Montana men's basketball team, Coulter Nuanas, got a chance to visit, visit with him before the baby was on the way, so he'll get you ready for Big Sky Conference hoops coming up next. Nuanas Now on Western Montana Sports Leader. ESPN Radio. 1029 ESPN Radio. Glad to be with you here on a Thursday. Jeff Safford filling in for Coulter Nuanas and no, Carolyn, the chick that doesn't know sports isn't coming up. I'm sure that would probably be a track she would like, but we are sticking to a baby themed playlist today. As we mentioned in segment one, Coulter Nuanas, Wilbur Watch is over. The baby is here, a baby boy, as of about 8 o'clock yesterday. Again, congratulations to Coulter Nuanez, a new dad. Wow, that's wild. Me, myself, being far, far away from even potentially being a father. I can't imagine what's going through his mind right now. I know Andrew Counton, to my left, on the other side of the glass, feels the same way. But congratulations to Coulter, and we will keep the baby-themed hits rolling for you here on a Thursday. And you can just guess what tracks may be coming. I think we got a pretty good group of stuff here. We got some classic rock, little Motown, a little bit more modern pop. So I feel like Coulter, who's such a big music proponent, he talks music so much on this show, I think he'd probably like the kind of mix of baby-themed music we've had, we have for you here on a Thursday. Just had a fantastic segment with Ben Folks, a local writer. He wrote a fabulous piece on the Pulp on Hockey, we also talked a lot on UFC, some WWE stuff, talking combat sports. So we'll hope to have Ben Folks on 
again here on Nuanas Now here soon. Maybe also get Chad Dundas, his co-host with the podcast he has, talking MMA and UFC, everything else, the co-main event. Hopefully can have those guys on again soon. That was really a lot of fun talking here on 102.9 ESPN Radio. Moving on now to segment two, though. Time to shift to the hardwood. Talk some hoops. Coulter Nuanez was able to visit with Travis DeCure, the head coach of the Montana Grizzly men's basketball team. They've been playing, playing real well in recent weeks, coming off a win against Weber State on Monday. Have some more Big Sky Conference action coming up. So we'll go ahead and roll it into this bit right now with Travis DeCure. Coulter Nuanez was able to visit with Coach DeCure earlier this week to get you ready for some Big Sky hoops. Keys just closing it out. I mean, you guys got a nice lead and then finished it pretty strong. Defensively, um, I, I felt our guys were elite tonight. Uh, Dylan Jones obviously had, had 30. did a good job of getting the paint and creating contact. Um, but overall, we, we minimized the three-point attempts. Uh, if you can, when you can shut down those two shooters, um, Caller and Verplanken, it's going to be hard for them to generate enough offense uh, to outscore you. So once, once we got our offense going... I felt that we were, you know, we were going to find a way to pull away. And we recorded just enough uh, to hold on down the stretch. So efficient offensively these last couple games particularly. What's going well? Sharing the ball, shot selection. Uh, we got a couple guys that are going to be aggressive from time to time and, and, and maybe take not necessarily a high percentage shot, but th- those, those guys have the prerogative to do that from time to time to get going, or maybe it's a heat check. But for the most part, we're turning down okay shots for great ones. Uh, we're taking care of the ball. Um, we just we got a lot of guys that understand what's a good shot for them and put a lot of confidence. When you have a bunch of shooters on the floor, how much more dangerous does that make Brandon Whitney, the way he can penetrate? No question about it. He, he's, he's got room to operate. He can get to the rim. Um, but I, I think the adjustment that he's made is, is, is creating for others. And, you know, once he started getting in the paint and kicking and pushing it and, and creating trail shots for the post, the floor opened up even more for him, um, which has made it very difficult to slow him down. Now, you stop the other shooters, but under 40%. I mean, the last couple of games, just that defensive effort. Speak to what's been a little bit different, what's been clicking for you guys on that side. I just think we're more aggressive right now defensively. Um, I think we're more locked in. You know, we, we talked about our defensive focus off the ball. I think that earlier in the year, we had guys resting, and guys were just shooting uncontested threes for no reason. I think right now, the guys that aren't on the ball are doing a better job of being in the stance and, and helping us out and, and getting off. Um, and, and really shrinking the court for the ball handlers. So if we continue to do that, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely be harder to score. It's nothing new for him, but how big was Lou's defensive effort in that second half of start? I mean, I think he had two blocks and a steal in the first four minutes. How big was he coming out of that halftime? He was incredible. Um, you know, he shuts a lot down around the rim. His rebounding, um, his activity, he, he gives us the flexibility to change a lot of things, whether we're hedging or switching or trapping. We could just do whatever we want with the ball screens and keep people on their heels. So his versatility defensively is incredible for us. To just continue about the defense, we were, I think, at six assists on 21 field goals. How did you make them sort of into more ISO scorers? Um, well, we crowded the paint a lot. It made it hard to get one on one for Dylan at least to get to the rim. So he shot a lot of jump shots, and he made a lot of jump shots. But it, 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 it made it more difficult for him to create for others. So if they don't catch and shoot threes, it takes those guys out of rhythm. Most, most, most three-point shooters shoot off the catch as opposed to playing one-on-one shooting. So once we minimize that, it was just going to be very difficult for him to get those shots out. They went to the press uh, pretty early in that second half. What did you think about just the way you guys handled it? I thought our guys did a good job spreading the floor out and taking care of the ball. But just coming down and getting a shot, I thought we were very aggressive. 
and scored on it as opposed to just resetting every time. Uh, when we're aggressive, um, we'll, we'll be a better offensive team. And you got to make the pay for the first pressing. Teams that don't get across the court, half court, and hold the ball, you're going to get caught in the short clock a lot. And it's just very difficult to, to keep your aggression and your momentum when you do that. So it was important for us to stay aggressive. They shot it so ridiculously well in Ogden. I mean, what were the biggest adjustments you made? And also just how, how much do you think just being on high alert, how well they can shoot it had your guys? There were two things that happened in that one. One, they were ready to play. They, they were locked in. They made some tough shots. They, they were. I think everybody in their team played well in that game and, and were prepared to play. We, we weren't ourselves. We weren't ready. Um, and they eliminated any opportunity for us to fight ourselves back into that game. But we, we broke down a lot off the ball, and there was just a lot of uncontested shots or closing short. We just, our attention to detail was not very good, and they took full advantage of it. Just in that same vein, to get the rematch and get the win, just to speak to your team's improvement, just what's that mean to you, I guess, to see that kind of adjust? Growth. Growth. Um, it shows that, you know, our guys, they have it in their gut. They have it in their heart to be competitive against the top teams in the league. Um, I think, you know, we got to that four-minute mark tonight, and we did it Saturday, and we found a way to finish, um, which a week ago we struggled with that. So I think we're continuing to grow. And you mentioned on Saturday how Jackson played himself in his rotation. So the last four games, just what can you say about his effort both on full side support? I think him and Jordan Williams both are doing a good, a good job staying ready. And, and being okay with what opportunities they're giving and making the most of them. Um, tonight, you know, his, his rotation wasn't the same as it was on Saturday, but he gave the same effort. Um, I thought he had a key defensive rebound in there uh, when it mattered most. Uh, he, he stayed ready, and he's, he's going to be impactful for these wins moving forward. Just where have you seen him improve the most, Jackson, and just kind of start seeing himself getting his rotation? I think he's doing a better job with decision-making and finding ways um, to blend in with our chemistry on the offensive side of the ball, and I think his attention to detail on the defensive side uh, is, is helping us, too, with, with depth and his rebounding and his size gives us a lot of versatility. So um, I think he's helping us on both sides as well. What's the process like to bounce back after a rivalry? I guess not bounce back, but play a game after such an emotional game on Saturday night. How proud are you of your guys for being prepared for this one? Very proud. I think that's difficult sometimes, especially when it's a rival game up the street. And, you know, I'm pretty sure everywhere they went to eat the last 48 hours, they got pat on the back. And people told them how good they were or how well they performed. And, and so it's hard to look in the mirror and see that you got work to do another 24 hours later. And, and so it, it's difficult, but I do think the fact that we lost the way we lost to we were, it wasn't hard for those guys to come in and give them what they had. Those four seniors to play the minutes they played uh, on a short turn, on a quick turnaround is difficult. And it shows a lot of what they have in their stomach and in their heart. You mentioned about wanting to put together a four or five game win streak in conference player up to three now. How do you carry this on on the road now? Just got to stay hungry. You've got to continue to communicate about the things that are important and make sure that we do the things that we've been doing to win games. And that's defend uh, and execute and, and play together. This type of 77-62 game, is that kind of what you envision? Is that an idea? Yeah, this type of game? one of the better defensive teams in the country, so it's going to be hard to put 85-90 on the board. Uh, we had some, some open shots we didn't make in the first half. Some of that was us, some of that was them. Um, they forced seven turnovers on us in the first half, so we needed to get more shots than we did. Um, so the second half was more like us. Uh, but a win's a win. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll score in the 50s if I can get a win. Defensively, Dylan Jones obviously created some havoc. He had three or four steals, but it also seemed like you guys were able to attack him a lot. Uh, is that true? 
And and why were you guys able to? That's what he does. He gets his hands on a lot of balls. He's a aggressive defender, and, and he's in the passing lanes. And he can deflect the dribble, things like that. So he, he makes those plays. We we were a little loose around him with guys trying to make plays they probably didn't need to make. Um, but we got him in foul trouble. Once we got that second foul, we attacked because we knew he wouldn't pick up the third. Anytime you got a guy to throw with two fouls, he's going to try as hard as not to foul, uh, which means he's not going to really defend the way he would. So we attacked that, and, and that allowed us to, to get that six-point lead. That. Thanks to Coulter Nuanez from getting that sound from head coach of the Montana basketball team, Travis DeCure, head of some, who's after Monday night's game opposite Weber State, Grizzly basketball team are hitting the road this weekend, doing a little West Coast swing. They're starting out tonight in the Rose City, Portland, taking on the Vikings of Portland State. An 8 o'clock tip-off from the West Coast, so 7 o'clock there, local time in Portland. 8 o'clock here in Missoula against the 11-8 and 8 Vikings. Then the Grizz on Saturday will go up against the Hornets of Sacramento State out there on the road in sacks. So a couple games on the road for Travis DeCure's club, but the Lady Grizz, the Montana women's basketball team, are at home this weekend out there at Dahlberg Arena Thursday and Saturday against the same Vikings and Hornets. Portland State tonight and Sacramento State on Saturday. We have a pair of tickets to tonight's game opposite Portland State available for you right now. And my and the producer, Andrew Houghton, is going to take them down to the arena, drop them at will call to have for you for tonight's game, a 7 o'clock tip. So if you want to go to the game, again, a pair of Lady Grizz basketball tickets are up for grabs. Call us right now, 888-1029-406-888-1029. Again, a pair of Lady Grizz basketball tickets are up for grabs for tonight's game. So, you don't have, so if you don't have any plans... Go on down and check out some Lady Grizz basketball here on ESPN Missoula. Segment three on the way this week. Three new men have been put into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. We'll touch on the new honorees that were put into the Hall of Fame. Three guys that myself and Andrew Houghton surely have watched plenty over the years. And we'll also touch on some news in the Pioneer League. There's a new team coming to the Pioneer. We t- touched on the Oakland Ballers earlier in this offseason. And now a new team from Davis, California, coming in. We'll touch on the storylines with that team. That team also even has a Treasure State connection with a recent manager that was managing here in the state of Montana last year. He's going to be out in Billings next season. So plenty to talk about with the new Pioneer League team coming to the league. Now 12 teams in the Pioneer League. And we'll touch on some Hall of Fame news and notes, more Major League Baseball stuff to wrap up our number one. This is Nuwana is Now here on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula, the ESPN MT app, and SWX Montana. Baseball stuff coming up next. Glad to have you here on a Thursday. Nuanez now, ESPN Radio, still celebrating the birth of Coulter Nuanez's new baby. That's the reason why he is not with us here on Nuanez now. Jeff Safford in the house, along with Andrew Houghton. Glad to be with you here on a Thursday. 
going through the first hour. Had a fun first hour to this point here on Nuanez Now, ESPN Missoula. First segment, we're with Ben Folks of the Pulp. He wrote a fantastic article touching on the hockey community here in Missoula. Grizz Hockey was involved in that conversation, had some MMA fun stuff. Also heard from Travis DeCure in segment two, getting you ready for Grizz basketball coming up this weekend. Now segment three, moving on to some Major League Baseball and Pioneer League Baseball news. A couple days ago, we'll touch on Major League Baseball first as... A few days ago now, the new names for the MLB Hall of Fame were introduced. Baseball writers put their ballots in. 75% vote needed to be inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. And three men have been added to the list of immortals in Major League Baseball's Hall of Fame. They are Todd Helton, Adrian Beltre, and Joe Maurer. Looking at a couple of infielders and a catcher and three players that I'm very familiar with from my time growing up. A couple guys very famously having links to the West Coast. Adrian Beltre started his career out of the Dominican Republic with the Dodgers when he was only 19 years old. Todd Helton playing his entire career out there with the Colorado Rockies. So maybe some folk, some fans of baseball here in the Rocky Mountain region in the state of Montana. Also maybe Todd Helton fans maybe were... Real excited to see him inducted into the Hall of Fame. And then the hometown grown Joe Maurer. He spent all of his time there in the Twin Cities seemingly going back to his high school time and then going into Major League Baseball as well with the Twins. All three of those guys, Hall of Famers. A couple of guys real close thinking about Billy Wagner, a relief pitcher that I really feel like his been overlooked. I mean, if I think got pitchers in the 2000s, relievers, who had a better slider than that guy? I mean, there can't be many that had a better slider than Billy Wagner. He was such a dominant closer for so long. But there's also a number of high-profile names that came from that era. Thinking about Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, amongst others. So maybe that's another reason why Billy Wagner also maybe not quite in the Hall of Fame as of now. I believe his percentage was 73.8, so very close for Billy Wagner. Still has one year left of eligibility, does the ex-Philly, amongst other team reliever. So we'll see if Wagner makes his way. Gary Sheffield, though, he did not make it in his final season of eligibility. Game of Shadows, a book comes up on this show quite often. Gary Sheffield linked to Balco and everything else. Surely a reason why he hasn't been inducted, but Another note there, Gary Sheffield, percentage in the 60s now, maybe later on we'll be able to get into the Hall of Fame, but as of right now, not so much. But we'll bring in Andrew Houghton now to talk some initial reactions with the Hall of Fame and everything else. And put this in the notes, the one thing with the Hall of Fame for me that's becoming interesting, looking at this class specifically, and we're coming to an age, Andrew, that we've watched all of these guys play and have memories of all of them. Is that something that's kind of weird for you now? Yeah, it is a little bit weird, Jeff. Thanks for asking. Uh, it makes me feel a little bit old. Of course, <laughs> I, I am old. Yeah, we're, G- we're old. Going to yeah. be 30 in less than two months. So Already there. You know, uh, but it, it really is. And what's great is it's great to see some of the not absolute top tier names of this generation now start to get their recognition, right? We've yeah. had, you know, Derek Jeter, sure. Mariano Rivera, 
Randy Johnson. We've had those guys go in, right? Now we're starting to see guys who who are not absolutely on that top tier but have still been a huge part of our baseball fandom. Uh, Joe Maurer. I think the I remember specifically the ESPN the magazine cover of Joe Maurer when he was coming out of high school in in Minnesota. Like wow. those are those are just cultural touchstones of our generation, right? Um, so it it is really cool to see, and we'll continue to see that as well, right? Like Ichiro's coming up next year. The other thing I thought was was really interesting with this induction, right? Is we got two guys whose argument for being in the Hall of Fame is, is based mostly on their, their peak seasons, right? Joe Maurer had a really short career. Todd Helton had a decent-length career, but his, his his argument was based on that five- or six-year run at the beginning of the 2000s. we got two guys you are looking at the peak. Then we're looking at Adrian Beltre, who, you know, along with maybe Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera, one of the longer careers, he, he was great for a very, very long time. Uh, in one of the longer careers in this generation, so so that was interesting to me. Uh, it can't really can't wait for the induction for these guys. And it's also nice to see you know some non traditional baseball markets get honored as well. Colorado with Todd Helton, I know they had Larry Walker the other year. Uh, Minnesota with Joe Maurer, I mean a guy who's from Minnesota, played his whole career there. He gets honored, uh, and Adrian Beltre's been all over. But you know, Seattle and Texas are two of his big- biggest markets. Again, not guys who played twenty years for the Yankees or for the Dodgers or for the Cardinals. It's just cool to see. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with all of that. And me being a guy that grew up on the West Coast, I was specifically happy to see Todd Helton get in. As me being a guy that we've touched on with Colton Nuanez, grew up watching the San Francisco Giants and watching Kruk and Kipe and touching on this being a Pioneer League, tying in the Pioneer League. JT Snow also will be coaching in the Pioneer League next year. Kind of an interesting note. But um, but seeing Todd Helton and me watching him play in, in person, I remember even as a kid, just watching how that man was able to hit a baseball, it was, was unbelievable. The thing I remember about Todd Helton was it didn't matter where they tried to pitch him. Inside, outside, high, low, that dude could cover every single pitch. And he seemingly had a magic wand also where he could seemingly just stick the bat. I remember there was a home run he hit where in, and at the time it was AT&T Park where he went with the pitch, the other going with the location off the plate away. He went down to a knee almost and used this magic wand and hit this line drive shot out to left field. And then Andrew touched on Adrian Beltre, all the different stops that he's been on. I mentioned the Dodgers. He was with the Mariners. But playing his best ball seemingly at the end of his career. He was a all-star for the first time, I believe, with the Boston Red Sox and then was a all-star twice or three times more towards the end of his career with Texas coming down the stretch of his career also. So yes, Andrew, as Andrew touched on, playing his best baseball as his career came to an end but still, 3,000 hits plus, almost 500 home runs. Numbers speak for itself for Adrian Beltre and, Beltre and then Joe Maurer. The the numbers he had in five six-year stretch, the batting average where it was multi-time batting champion for Joe Maurer. And and just seeing his ability to connect with St. Paul. And, and I re- actually remember the ESPN article that he touched on also from all the way back in 2001. But... Seeing guys like that with the connection to Minneapolis or St. Paul for Joe Maurer and Adrian Beltre is such a huge proponent for baseball and his community in the Dominican Republic. Him and Andrew 
Albert Pujols, you could put in that category. I remember Adrian Beltre was right there last season when Pujols hit that 700 home run, 700th home run. So it's a cool for you, Andrew, to see guys that have such cool links to where they grew up in terms of Joe Maurer with Minneapolis and Adrian Beltre with the Dominican Republic. Thinking about it from this aspect, it would be like if Troy Anderson or insert Montana star here did all these great things right in their own backyard. Yeah, it is a big, uh, it is a really cool thing. I think, Jeff, it's also part of the reason why you know, a guy like Gary Sheffield hasn't gotten in yet, right? Because we're talking about a guy like Gary Sheffield who played for 10, 12 teams. I mean, what 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 team and what city do you associate him with? And even with a guy like Billy Wagner, I associate Billy Wagner with the Houston Astros, but he also pitched for the Phillies for several years. Uh, all of these guys, or particularly uh, Helton and Maurer, you look at them and you think, this guy represented baseball in his community for a period of years. Certainly Joe Maurer, going to, growing up in Minnesota, being drafted by the Twins number one overall, making it good in the major leagues and having a Hall of Fame career. I mean, what kind of a movie story is that, right? But also, Todd Helton, when you thought of Colorado baseball for a period of, of five, six years, you thought of Todd Helton, and that just... You know, I'm excited to see for all those fans to get a chance to see their guys get inducted and, and maybe even go out to the ceremony in Cooperstown. But it, it's just, uh, it, it's really special. Andrew Houghton and myself, Jeff Safford, talking about the recent inductees of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. We'll talk some more Major League Baseball throughout the offseason. But as we get rolling here closer to the end of the 5 o'clock hour, we'll touch on something a little bit more closer to home in terms of professional baseball. Talk a little bit about the new team coming to the Pioneer League. New team out of Davis, California. They will be in the league next season and should be a real fun deal to see what this team does. The High Wheelers, the Yolo County High Wheelers. Yolo is, so they're kind of touching on the idea that the Glacier Range Riders had in terms of a name aspect of it, naming the team after a region, thinking about Glacier representing kind of the Whitefish and Kalispell communities, naming it the Yolo, naming it after a county kind of encompasses a whole community. So I like that aspect of it. And mentioned it right before we went to break. Also has a link to the Treasure State also. The Pioneer League this past season, Manager of the Year, he was named that for his workout in Billings last season, but he left the team after last year to explore other opportunities, quote-unquote, and that other opportunity has proven to be the new manager with the high rollers. It's Billy Horton. So any viewers we have from over there in the Magic City that maybe were familiar with what Billy has been doing the last couple of seasons, he will now be in Davis leading the brand-new High Rollers franchise, so I think that is exciting, and I see Davis as a great fit for the Pioneer League in general, and walk with me here. I feel that Davis and Missoula are pretty similar in terms of the culture. Both outdoorsy places, both college towns, both have links to the mountains, Lake Tahoe, a short drive, skiing and everything else from Davis. Both have very healthy lifestyles. Both like to stay active, hit the gym, eat healthy, those sorts of things. They like to 
get out and bike. I know Missoulians like to bike as well. There's no better place to bike in the country than Davis, California, as the there's a big museum for bike riding there. And the reason they're naming the team the High Rollers is paying homage to that culture around bike riding. So thinking about that aspect and Davis, yes, being on the West Coast, but having some similarities to cities here in the Rocky Mountain region. Andrew, where do you see Davis fitting into the Pioneer League? Well, it's the continuation of a really interesting trend for the Pioneer League, right, that started with the the other team that we were talking about, the Oakland Ballers. It's a it's a it's an ambitious move, right, to put two teams in a league with, that has its home base in Montana, Idaho, Colorado, Utah. It's an ambitious move to put two teams in that league in California. Uh, so I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the travel actually looks like for those teams. Yeah. Uh, when we get into a season, I mean, I'm sure they've done a great and circumspect job putting together those schedules uh, to try to, to stop the long travel for those teams. But I think we're going to see what it actually looks like in the season. And uh, I, I think also that, though, it's going to bring a lot of new eyeballs to the league, right? The Oakland Ballers, certainly, uh, they're they're positioning themselves as the successor to the Oakland A's, right? The Oakland B's taking over for the Oakland right. A's. Uh, so certainly that's a big market, the biggest market that the league has ever been in by by a factor by factor of ten or more. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I think we we always knew that there was going to be a second California team coming when they announced that Oakland team. Yes. Now we've got it. I agree with you actually about Davis as a city being a really good fit for some of the other cities in the league. Um, but we'll just we'll have to see how it plays. Out. And I know myself comparing a city in California in Montana to another Montana city, I know that I might be setting myself up something out that might be, somebody might be angry with that, but it was just my opinion I was giving. And, and I would agree with what Andrew said also about the pipeline of talents and how this is only going to be a good thing for the Pioneer League and for teams here in Montana. Because thinking about the Pioneer League right now, the best team, even though they have, haven't have won the league championship the last two years, you would think the head of the table in the Pioneer League from the last couple of seasons would be the Missoula Paddleheads. They've had a higher winning percentage than any team in professional baseball the last three years in a row. So it would be safe to say that the Paddleheads are there. But also the Glacier Range Riders, they got the nicest ballpark in Major League Partner League Ballpark, as voted in Baseball Digest last year. Dealer Park, also a great place. So all these great venues, great ballparks, all of a sudden the Pioneer League has a new look in terms of an audience. So that'll be exciting to see. Rolling into hour number two, all football all the time with Brooks Nuanez looking ahead to the NFL playoffs. Got the NFC Championship game and AFC Championship game coming up. Got the Ravens taking on the Chiefs and also the Niners and Lions, Coulter, and Brooks Nuanez will get you ready for those matchups all football all the time. Coming up in segment number four and hour number two right after this. 
Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.